0: continue in our series we're going to talk this morning about serving others can you say that to your neighbor serving others now look to the neighbor on your other side and say by the end of this message i'm going to figure a way out to serve you that actually wasn't really even a joke but I will say, it was, it was amazing as I watched that, how many spouses intentionally went to the other side than their spouse. It was like, oh, I'm going this way. So Matthew 5, verse 38, it says this. You have heard it. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now, how many of us, we actually like, let's just stop there. And we'll walk out of here and be like, thank you, Jesus. This is how I can deal with stuff at work. But Jesus continues. This is why we don't take one scripture verse. He continues, he says this, but I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him take, have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Kind of shifts our mentality as soon as you read it. When you understand this is Jesus talking to you and giving you instructions... How many here have ever been slapped in the face? Just keep your hand up for a minute. I just want to see who's with me, like who's got slapped in the face or like, okay, if you don't like, I don't know if I've got slapped, you've got punched in the face, whatever it is, like a few more hands are going up, oh yeah, okay. All right, so of you that raised your hand, all the ones with your hands down, I honestly don't know how you made it this far in life without getting hit in the face. You grew up in a different time as me All the younger kids, all like, you know, your teenagers and stuff right now Where it's like, don't speak meanly to each other Like, I don't think bullying happened that much when I was a kid Because bullies got punched in the face I should move on But how many of you have got punched in the face, slapped in the face Open hand, closed fist, it really doesn't matter How many of you immediately were like, oh, take this side too? (laughs) Right? Like how many of you got slapped in the face and then were like, you know what? Hit the other side. (laughs) The only way that happens is if you're tough enough that you got hit in the face and then you're like, I dare you to do it one more time. (laughs) That's really the only time if we're honest, most of us have ever said that. So here's what you have to understand, what we're about to talk about as we go through these scriptures this morning. We are talking about stuff that doesn't come naturally. So as you hear these scriptures, as we walk through this message this morning about serving others. We talked about it the last couple weeks. If you are honest, and you are like me, you can be Selfish. So the moment I hear the scriptures of serving others, the first thing that I want to know is who's serving me. But this morning, that's not what we're talking about. See, here's what you have to understand. There are things written in scriptures to remind us to do things that are not natural to us. Do you want to know why the scripture tells you to pray for your neighbor, to pray for those who persecute you? But you want to know who it doesn't tell you to pray for? Do you know the scripture doesn't tell me to pray for Melissa? It doesn't tell me to actually pray for my kids. Because that comes natural. I should do that. I know to do that. It tells us to do the things that aren't natural. So this morning, as we go through this, just accept the fact right now, this is not going to be natural for you. But that does not mean you're not supposed to do it. See, Jesus walks through this and some of this makes no sense to us today. When you read, when it says, if somebody's going to sue you and take your tunic, let them have your colk as well, whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. See, what you have to understand, and in Jesus' day, the Roman soldiers could walk up to anybody and hand them their equipment, hand them their backpack, hand them their gear and say, carry this for me. And if they told you to do it, you had to go one mile. You had to. That's why it says, compels you. Now, who here has ever been forced to do something? Right? We've all been forced to do something. You were a kid at some point. (laughs) Here's what Jesus is saying. See, you can force me to walk a mile, which I'm getting better at, by the way. It's not necessarily forcing me. But the moment... You force me to go a mile and I say, you know what, I'll go two. Guess what just happened? I am no longer forced. So it doesn't feel like I'm being forced to do something. I'm willing. It's going to cost me more, but now I'm willing. I'm giving it instead of you taking it. See, sometimes we want people to stop asking things of us, but what if we started giving more than people asked? What if a spirit of generosity just began to grow in your heart? What if all of a sudden you took those challenges those moments, and turn them into blessings for others. When you take those difficult, challenging, hard moments and turn them into blessing. See, Jesus shows us throughout the Gospels on how to bless people, how to serve other people. See, there's stories of where Jesus, he heals a leper. Now realize, if you read through the Gospels, how often Jesus healed people by simply just going, just get up and walk. Or he just looked at them and said, be healed. But to go a step farther for the leopard, Jesus touches him. He had a personal contact with him. And I know some of you are like, "Well, so what? See, when people had leprosy in Jesus' day, they were sent out of the city. They had their own little spot that they could all go because they couldn't be near anybody. We don't know how long this person had leprosy for. So guess what? We don't know how long it's been since somebody actually touched him. He took it a step farther. And Jesus touched him. Jesus himself tells us in Matthew 20, verse 26 to 20 says yet it shall be yet it shall not be so among you but whoever desires to become great among you let him be let him be your servant you want to be great in the kingdom of god you want to do great things for jesus serve serve him serve others and whoever desires to be first among you Let him be your slave. Now, many of you would be like, well, I don't want to be first. I'm good with being second. But is that the way it is when you're driving? How many of us in this room, if you were to go and compete in something, anything, you wanted a promotion at work, are you good to be like, oh, I didn't get the promotion, I'm second? (laughs) That's awesome. I love it. There's something in us that whether you want to be first or you think I don't want to be first, there is something in us that we still want recognition. And Jesus says, be a servant. Takes it to a stronger word, says, be your slave. Because here's why in verse 28, just as the son of man, that's Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came here to be a servant. He came to serve you and me by laying down his life. See, he taught his disciples the whole time how to serve. When his disciples told him, hey, you should send all the people away. It's been a long day and they're really hungry. Jesus looks at them and says, you should just feed them. And that's where we see the miracle of the loaves and fishes. He met a need by serving them. Jesus taught them to look after each other. He taught them to look after one another. And it continued after Jesus was gone. We see in Acts 2... Acts 2 verse 44, now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Now see what we have to realize as we read this verse is we have to understand that in the early church, they went through a lot of persecution. As much as we want to believe in North America, we've encountered some persecution. We haven't. We haven't encountered any. Not yet. You might have felt uncomfortable, but that's not persecution. That's comfort. But the early church, they encountered persecution. As many of them became into a relationship with Jesus to be a part of the way. They were excluded from other parts of society because they were outcasts. They were believing in something that others people didn't believe which puts some of them into need. And that's when the early church, they would find things in their home that they could sell so they could help meet needs of others. See, as you pray for other people that are sitting beside you or you pray for your neighbors or you know of needs that people have that are close to you or around you or even just a coworker. I challenge you to ask God how you can meet that need. Because sometimes we are the answer to prayer that we're praying for. Sometimes you pray for an answer of prayer that you can actually meet. But what it takes is some sacrifice for you, and that you have to serve them. What are you willing to sacrifice for other people? See, there's four things that we can learn about going the extra mile. The first one is this. The second mile is the mile of progress. As we go the second mile, as we take that second step, as we go a little bit farther, that is where we see a significant process in our spiritual life. See, here's what you have to understand. If you want to strengthen your spiritual walk, if you want to become deeper in a relationship with God, if you want to grow in a spiritual maturity, you don't do that by sitting on your couch. You actually have to be involved. You actually have to do something for God. It's in those moments where you go the second mile for other people. It's in those moments where you and I grow. It's where you and I become stronger. See, the second mile... It means the most of this mile is the participation. You need to actually participate in the second mile. You actually have to do something. You can't leave it for the person sitting beside you. One author says the mile of participation is when we're willing and anxious to go beyond what the law demands. Are you willing to go beyond what God tells you to do? Are you willing to serve in a way that God even goes, hey, you just do this, and you're willing to go, you know what, I'm going to go a little farther. See, are you and I willing to do more than what the Scripture tells us? Do we read the Scriptures to find out what we can get away with, or do we read to know how much to move closer to holiness? How many of us read scripture and we go, well, it's a little bit gray here, so I guess it's okay. See, you would tell your kids not to do that. You would tell your kids that if that's a gray line, you should probably step a little bit closer to God. Aim for holiness and righteousness. We just talked about money. So do we tithe out of principle what the Bible teaches? Or do we say, well, that's, that's just an Old Testament thing. See, principles don't go away. And now here's the thing. Some of you will say, well, Chad, I tried the tithing thing, and Scripture promises that I'll get a return on it, and God will bless me in return. And what you have to understand is the tithe is the minimum. The Bible actually talks about gifts and offerings above that. And it's not really until you get into the gifts and the offerings that that return happens. But now we're talking more than a tenth. Do we do the minimum of what God asks or do we go above what he asks? See, the third thing that we learn is this perseverance the mile that means the most is the mile where we go beyond what expected but we never quit we persevere through it we continue to press into God see the second mile is where we trust when it's hard see the second mile doesn't mean it's easier the second mile just means it's by choice The second mile is where we choose to go. You want a deeper relationship with God. You want to hear his voice more clearly. You want him to impact your relationship. You want him to impact your family. Are you willing to do more? I have a mentor. He told me a story where he owned, a, he owned a pig farm. And the pump in his septic holder that would pump it out continually quit. And they believed that there was something in there clogging it. And he continued to pray about it. And he was trying to figure out what to do. And everybody he talked to said, you're going to have to drain the tank. You're going to have to get way down in there and see what's clogging this pipe. And all of them figured, pardon the graphic but they figured it's a carcass it was a piece of a pig now he explains that this isn't a small task because they have to pump it all out and then they actually have to get masked up and have oxygen pumped as they go down to the bottom to fix this so they don't die from the gas husbands look at your spouse see see I'm not that bad So they drain the whole tank He gets masked up He goes down There's nothing He says when you look in the pipe It's as clear as any pipe that pumps poop (laughs) I was going to say it was clean But we all know what it does It's like So as he gets out And he's not sure what's going on He prays and he asks God He's like God what is going on And this is what he believes God told him If you want that pump to stay clean, you need to get up at the time you said you were going to get up and spend time with me. Ever since that day, he's continued to get up at the time he promised God, spend time with God, and they've never had an issue with that pump. He sold the farm and he continues to ask the person who bought it, hey, you have any issues with that pump? Nope, nothing. Chad, you think God is going to discipline us to get our attention? Understand, this is a minor discipline. This is, you know what I mean? Like this is not something, it's not a huge punishment. It's one of those moments where you're like, oh, this is broken again. Do I believe he will do something to get your attention? Yes, I do. we read scripture in this past month where it talks about If God disciplines you, you should be happy because he disciplines his children. If you actually aren't getting disciplined by God, it means you're not one of his children. By the way, New Testament. So when I go through challenges and difficulties, there's moments where I'm like, okay, I'm a son of God. How do I know that? Because I don't discipline your kid. I discipline mine. You don't discipline my kid, you discipline your kid. So therefore, if God has disciplined me, I'm his kid. Now, same scripture tells us this, no discipline in the moment is enjoyable. At least God's honest. (laughs) But when you go the extra mile, that's when perseverance kicks in. And the fourth one is this it's the extra mile where it finally pays off. See, the payment comes, the payoff comes to those who have prepared to go the extra mile. See, what you have to realize is God has a purpose for your life. You weren't just born and created just to spend time here and take up space, He created you with a purpose. Your purpose is normally found in the second mile. See, He has a moment for you. He has a calling for you. He has something special for you that nobody else can do. The person beside you can't do it. I can't do it for you. There's nobody in this room that can do it. There's something that He has specifically for you. He's given you a plan and a purpose. See, what you have to understand, if you look at Acts 9, in Acts 9, this is where Saul is on the road to Damascus. And God stops him and talks to him and encounters him and shifts his life. Paul, Saul, he's in a house and he's blinded. And he's just waiting on God. He's praying and fasting. He's not sure what to do. And then God speaks to somebody. God talks to a man whose name is Ananias. And God tells Ananias, listen, there's a man named Saul that I need you to go pray for. Now here's what you have to understand. Saul went to Damascus to persecute Christians. He had permission to. He had just had Stephen, one of the disciples, stoned to death. So Saul comes with a reputation. And here a follower of Christ, a disciple, is told to go and pray for him. So as any one of us would do, any one of us that knew there was somebody that not only wanted to hurt us, but had permission to hurt us, were allowed to hurt us, would get away with hurting us, we might be a little bit hesitant going back to the whole slap in the face thing. So Ananias is going, are you sure, God? You're talking about Saul, right? Same Saul, like there's not a second Saul that I'm supposed to go pray for. We're talking about the same Saul. Does Saul have a twin brother and they couldn't come up with a different name, so his name is Saul? This is my brother Daryl, my other brother Daryl. And then it's amazing what God tells Ananias. When I comprehended this, when I saw this and it stood out to me for the first time, it really shifted my walk with God. Because how many times have one of you, any of you, can be honest that God has asked you to do something and you've chickened out? Anybody? Anybody? Go ahead, it's all right. My hand's up because I've chickened out. How many of us, when we chickened out, this was actually our thought process? If I don't do it, God will find somebody else. It will get done because it's God. Amen? Right? I'm about to rip that excuse out of your hands. And it hurts. Because here is what God told Ananias. Ananias, I've told Saul that a man named Ananias is coming to pray for him. Lord, there's got to be another Ananias in this town. (laughs) How would Saul have received a chad? Hey, Ananias, hey, Saul, sorry, wrong name. Hey, Saul, I came to pray with you. What's your name? Chad, nothing's going to happen. I'm waiting for Ananias. Well, no, no, I can pray for you. Wait a minute. God revealed to me in a dream. God spoke to me that Ananias was coming. Who are you? What plan does God specifically have for you that he can't use somebody else because he's actually already given your name? That passion that you're looking for, that deeper relationship with God, it's in the second mile. I want to read to you something that few people were sharing with me this morning and it stood out to me and I was like this is this is for this morning because I believe that God not only wants to use you but he needs to use you. He has a specific calling for you. Isaiah 43 verse 19 to 21 it says this, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth, do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness And rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. I feel like some of you in this room just need to even hear that part that if you feel like you're in the wilderness or the desert, He will provide water. He will still nourish you. I think it's interesting that He says that He will provide in it not get you out of it necessarily right away because that's where the perseverance comes in the second mile and that's where he'll stretch you and grow you. But here's what I wanted you to hear, this verse, verse 21 of Isaiah 43. The people whom I formed for myself that they might declare my praise. He formed you and he formed me for himself. So that you and I can declare his praises. And celebrate who he is and honor him. And we can praise him more than our words. We can praise him in action. Doing what he's asked us to do. See now that's where our responsibility to follow God's leading is to go the second mile. When he tells us. When he pushes us. When we sense it. If he asks you to do something, do more. He tells you to buy milk for your neighbor, buy bread as well. Don't substitute your own stuff. Most of the men in the room are like, no, I know not to go off the list. Now, as we do this, as we begin to go the second mile, here's what you need to realize is that Jesus also warns us as we serve others in Matthew 6. He says this in verse 1 Take heed. We started with Matthew 5. Matthew 5 goes straight into Matthew 6. I know it's crazy math. But these continue right together, these verses. So this isn't something different, this is all in one teaching. You have to understand as we put chapters in, we put verses in for reference points. This is one thing that Jesus is talking about. And then he says this as he talks about serving. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as as hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. You need to understand something. When you go to do something for somebody else that God has asked you, God has asked you to serve somebody else. Don't post it online. Don't take a selfie with it to get some likes. The moment you get likes, it says here that that is your reward. You've missed out on the Father's reward. I don't care how many of you like my photos, I would rather have a reward from my Heavenly Father. This is where I have to be honest as one of your leaders, when we do things with Tober's money, I have a hard time sharing even with you guys what we do with it. Because when I read this verse, I'm like, God, how do I manage this? But I realize I need to tell you so you understand what we're doing with your money. It's not a pat on our backs, it's information. That's why we make those videos and tell you, so you understand, hey, when you give, this is where it goes. But I will never tell you who it goes to. Nobody in this room, nobody sitting beside you, nobody that you know can give you a reward that your heavenly father can give. He goes on and saying in verse three, but when you do charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing what your charitable deed may be, that your charitable deed may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. When God asks you to do something, don't tell people about it. It's such a, he pushes this so far to a degree that it's my left hand shouldn't even know what my right hand is doing. That's how much he wants us to do this. So now that you know the why we go the extra mile, now just real quick, who do we go the extra mile for? Do we go the extra mile for church family? Do you go the extra mile for the people part of your small group? Yes. Do we go for our community? Yes. But I want to read the first set of verses that we read. Matthew 5, 38 to 42. And then we jumped into Matthew 6. But there's a couple verses in between that I want to touch on. And here's what he says in Matthew 38. We read it at the beginning. Have you heard that it was said, an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth? But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let them take your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks, and from him who borrows from you, do not turn away. And then it goes on to say this. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? I love how they emphasize tax collectors and not sinners. Anybody else notice that? That's how much tax collectors were kind of like, yeah. If you love those who love you, isn't that what everybody does? How does that set you apart? Hey, you're one of my good friends. I'll serve you. I'll help you. Great. Everybody does that. And if you greet your brother and only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? So, when you're here on a Sunday morning and people are walking in and out, do you only say hi to the people you know or do you greet somebody that you don't know? What about when you're walking down the street and you see that neighbor? See, you know exactly what neighbor. It already popped in your head the moment I said that neighbor. Do you drop your head? You pull out your phone and be like, "Hey, how's it going?" Knowing there's no call there. What sets us apart? Verse forty-eight. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your heavenly, your Father in heaven is perfect. We don't just love those who are lovable. We love the ones that don't love us. We go beyond the minimal. We need to love and serve at a level of risk. So today, you have the decision, how will you serve someone else? How will you go the extra mile today? Let's pray. Prayer team, will you come? And so Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for your strength. thank you for your peace. Lord, I thank you that you are the one that will walk with us the second mile that, Lord, you've called us to go that second mile. And even right now, Father, as we're trying to figure out how to serve others, Holy Spirit, I pray that throughout this room and people watching online, that you are able to place a name in their hearts right now. It could be a coworker, it could be a neighbor. And Lord, tell them right now what it is you're supposed to do. And Father, I just pray and believe that everyone will just stop today and go and do it. Because, Lord, we don't know whether you told that person that so-and-so was coming. And so we can't leave it for somebody else. And so, Father, help us to walk with you. Help us to be your light. Let us be that light to our neighbors. And so, Father, give us the strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. And go and receive prayer. Thanks for checking out this week's message. Bless you and encourage you that you come back and check out next week's message as well.